0: Today on The Topping Show, Netflix cancels their DVD service, Pepsi's redesign gets some credit, Intel kills their crypto chip, REI shuts down their Portland store, Disney trolls Ron DeSantis with an LGBTQ night event, Mark Hamill accidentally promotes Nazis, Joe Manchin criticizes the EPA proposal, Elon relabels CBC as government content, and Southwest Airlines has yet another IT glitch. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for tuning in today. Today's episode of the Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their business owner at least twice a day. I have to say he's quite handsome and brilliant. Excuse me. That's the joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner who uses systems, you can those them at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Click more in the description to find out. Now, going to the business part of the podcast, we're announced that Netflix is going to cancel their DVD service which is a little bit of a little nostalgia going away since that was how the company originally got founded in the late 90's they were the ones who invested in the whole idea of renting DVDs before people even had DVD players a revolutionary moment in the company's history is actually securing a contract with one of the major DVD manufacturers in this case I believe it was Panasonic or Toshiba once they were able to convince them hey once you, have, once you sell this $1,000 DVD player, within that, let's have a free Netflix subscription. So that way, if they buy the DVD player, they can automatically rent three DVDs right off the bat. And of course, like most subscription services, after they have that free trial, then they start billing them for a month-to-month subscription services, which traditionally have a very high rate of people usually don't cancel once they sign up for those services and such. And they took that big risk, early adopter, and that's really how they propelled themselves onto the subscription service scene. And they took a big risk yet again when they invested heavily into the streaming platform. And, of course, that paid off, them being the number one streaming service for years and not even having much relative competition until now is a lot more, which gets to today's news of them having less than desired results for the last quarter and having to trim some features people might not use anymore. So they're killing the DVD subscription service so you can no longer have them sent to your house, which is rough for the folks who especially live in rural areas where... They might not have the best internet bandwidth they're they're not privileged to have the opportunity or they don't have the service area where you have the internet service providers or isps laying down one gig or five gig fiber optic cabling for everyone so those fiber optic lines really accelerate bandwidth for everyone now in particular netflix gained only and i say only 1.75 new subscribers in fy 23 q1 also known as january february march um, however all the analysts were projecting for them to have an increase of 2.41 million new subscribers there's always a delicate thing when it comes to publicly traded companies and managing everyone's expectations if you say too low then people are going to sell stock they're not going to be as confident and then in this instance we have a lot of people speculating too high so as long as it's under that people are going to be disappointed so yet another precarious thing in publicly traded companies you have to be very careful with your statements make sure the investors are happy and it's hard to go to the analyst and say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna decrease that by a lot, but nevertheless, they're gonna have about they're gonna have about that million gap of subscribers that they were hoping to get. Now they claim this is good news that their password sharing crackdown is already having great effects, quote unquote, where it's deployed. They already deployed it in Canada, New Zealand, Spain, Portugal, and they are quote, pleased with the results, unquote rudimentally speaking they're making it so that you cannot share your password with your friends or family and they're also going to introduce a new streaming service or rather a new subscription so that if you want a cheaper price per the month you can have one where they actually introduce advertisements which many including myself would say kind of defeats the whole purpose of netflix since it was billed as the convenience of the opposite the antithesis of cable in your traditional tv where you have to sit there with the commercials mess mess with the dvr to fast forward through them. So I guess they might get a couple of people who are buying that entry level program, but it'll be interesting to see what that overall uptick or take is at. And Netflix is also cautioning investors to inspect the same results as Q1 as they're in Q2 because they expect delays in the wider rollout of the password sharing rules that they long-term think will boost revenue. And it's one of those things where I know a lot of people who borrow Netflix passwords and they have shared profiles. The people on average who are doing that practice they're not going to go out of their way to spend the full price so that they themselves could have it. Most folks usually maybe will use it very infrequently, and there's not a compelling reason for them to have the full-blown subscription. It's just, and especially it's going to be annoying for family members where you legitimately have multiple devices in your house, you have multiple folks who want to stream at the same time, and you also have folks who travel for a living, and there's rumors of them might then perhaps using some sort of way to lock you in regionally. So that's gonna be another another curveball they're gonna to have to deal with. But they're just having more and more overwhelming competition from all the major players. You have breathing down the back of their necks. So they're they're no longer the standalone they're no longer the bleeding edge, they're no longer the number one. They have huge competition. We got Disney Plus, you also have Hulu, you also have Peacock, which I believe is owned by NBC which is really just known for the office in terms of their intellectual property to drive people to that platform. You also have HBO Max or HBO Max rather, which they're going to relabel to Max, which is a ridiculously foolish marketing decision since the company started as HBO decades ago. And that's where the best brand recognition is. Nevertheless, the competition is mounting and getting ever more every single day. So Netflix is going to have to get creative to ensure they can still continually grow as well as remain profitable through these precarious economic downturns in time. Now, going over to PepsiCo, their new redesign, their logo came out a couple of weeks ago. It'll be in production later this year, so I actually see it on the store shelves. They redesigned the logo so that the word Pepsi is quite prominent in a bold font on the front of the logo, and they also have the traditional red, white, and blue circular logo behind it. Now, a lot of people are disgruntled because when this was first revealed, there wasn't a lot of praise. There wasn't really a lot of knowledge on the specific designer behind it, I believe. So the actual marketing company who actually designed it was Adage, A-D-A-G-E. And this is, which is reported that it was that company by anonymous sources. PepsiCo didn't initially acknowledge them. And so those situations where it's tantamount that they get some credit because landing that type of contract and having a successful redesign of a logo is paramount to those company's survival. And of course, they themselves can use that as a marketing tool. They can go to Coca-Cola or these other companies and say, hey, we have experience working with large global brands such as Pepsi. We work with them to redesign the logo to emphasize, I believe this is Pepsi's emphasis on their diet drinks. There's a reason they did the bold font, not well enough for me to remember from that one or two articles I read, but they designed it in collaboration with pepsi so that it reached all pepsi's favorable designs and they actually emphasize the thing they want to emphasize so to have that ability to take that and go to these other brands that's tantamount they have to have that opportunity it would really be it would really be disadvantaged if they actually signed an nda maybe they did but yeah they need that kind of branding so it is nice to see hopefully maybe Although it's not traditional, it would be nice if Pepsi actually gave them a shout-out or something like that, or a social media blast. That would be huge for adage. But it would be interesting. Time shall tell. to see how that develops. Now, you had Intel announce that they're going to kill their crypto chip after they've had it in production for less than 12 months. So last June, Intel shipped their block scale 100 ASIC, ASIC. And Intel's only response to them shutting it down was quite interesting is quote we continue to monitor market opportunities unquote and it was designed for blockchain which when you think of blockchain really the main thing people know about that and refers to that technology is going to be bitcoin and when they announced when intel announced that they're going to design this chip specifically for bitcoin mining they the price of bitcoin was about forty seven thousand dollars for one coin and it went all the way down to about nineteen thousand per coin so it's worth a lot less and anecdotally just speaking with friends in college in the IT industry there's not a lot of people going out of their way to start mining these and try to profit in that regard when there was a fascinating spike in interest where everyone's trying my graphics cards especially design chips and all this for that particular application because the price is going up and up and, up and up and it was a good way to make money for them there's a lot less interest these days now if you look at the IT translately lately Pretty much every ID company is going all in with AI or artificial intelligence. Every manufacturer from hardware to software, they're trying to build things that will support or propel that technology. So there's not a lot of interest around the blockchain these days, but it's gotta be rough if you're an Intel investor since they're spending a couple of billions of dollars to, for research and development, whatever the cost. Someone in the comments let me know if there's a specific cost. I didn't see the couple of articles I read, but they put raw resources around that, and unfortunately just ended up killing a product in less than 12 months. Now, Time shall tell if that deserves to be in the business blunder part of the podcast, maybe later, depending on how much they lost. Now, going over to another business news in the retail, you have REI shutting down their Portland location. The infamous outdoors company is closing the specific downtown Portland after a record number of break-ins. Not too surprisingly, there's a relaxed DA or district attorney in that area and use a lot there's a high frequency of repeat offenders according to my research now you had the rei spokesman megan Burbaum, and she said quote the safety of our employees members and customers is always our number one priority unquote which is very true that's what you have to do it's the most most important thing especially in retail is the customer experience you hear that word 100 times a day if you read any in regard to anything you're trying to work with retail sell to retail it's all about the customer experience. It's quite true. And especially with REI, they're selling a premium product. Some of their, I was actually looking at ice screws a couple days ago, oddly enough, when my climbing buddies was, or climbing friends was telling me about them. And it's a screw about the size, maybe about yay big. I think about maybe four inches long, solid titanium. And it's quite literally designed so you could screw it into the side of an iceberg and use it as an anchor to climb up and down. That one piece of titanium, of course, it's machined and it's been tested. That one screw was like seventy-eight bucks. So after taxes, you're talking maybe eighty-five dollars for one screw. And if you're a climber, you're going to need multiple of them. So REI is a very much specialty outdoor supporting company. So they have the some of the places to actually buy a real carabiner, as opposed to if you see ninety-nine point nine nine percent carabiners for you know people holding keys and crap, they'll see a nice bold font not meant for climbing. It's because the ones meant for climbing are made of actual quality metal materials and they're designed to hold weight and which is another reason why they cost quite a bit of money because they're made out of better materials and they're actually designed to hold a person's weight and equipment and such so REI is selling a lot of premium equipment and it's a great outdoors company I've shopped there before in the past it's always a great customer experience they have what you need in stock and they help educate you if you're just getting into one of those sports whether it's mountain biking or rock climbing or camping on Mount Kilimanjaro or wherever folks like to go these days so you have to make sure if you're selling a premium product and a premium experience, you have to have a safe environment, especially. Now, the REI rep continued. Megan says, quote, Last year, REI Portland had the highest number of break-ins and thefts in two decades, despite our actions and investment to provide extra security. Which is astonishing that Portland has fallen so astronomically har- de- far well price not astonishing it's expected given their policies procedures in that area but it's it's really disconcerting it's really sad for a company to have that much of an investment trying to they even spent more security but despite their best efforts they couldn't keep the store safe enough to keep it profitable enough and you're gonna see this more and more and more last week or a couple days ago we talked about Whole Foods removing themselves from San Francisco that was their signature store and then you had Walmart moving half of their locations out of the city of Chicago half quantify that that is four of the eight stores if you read the other articles about walmart moving away from chicago some say there's more those are in chicago suburbs well away from the downtown area so quantify the data and always read past the headline but you're seeing more and more of these businesses bleeding money and your employees are getting hurt there's no logical reason for them to stay especially when you have one of the worst economic downturns in my lifetime Now going back to the REI store, they employ about 150 150 reps at the store and hopefully they'll be able to move on and find a role at a different REI. There are others in the state, just not in that particular city, so hopefully they'll all be able to get their jobs back soon and there won't be too much disruption in that particular regard. Now going on to the culture part of the podcast. you have. Disney trolling Ron DeSantis with their Pride Night After Dark LGBTQ events, quote unquote. Now, Disney is saying it's the first of their time going to take place in California, I believe. And then a Disney rep noted, quote, this separately ticketed event celebrating LGBTQIA plus community and allies will have themed entertainment, Disney characters, specialty menu, items and more," unquote. And this is coming in the wake of Ron DeSantis taking more actions to ensure that Disney abides by the same rules as any other company in the state. For decades, they've had a pretty big, a nice little carve out where they're making their own rules. And one of the reasons the state had historically given them so much leeway was because they are such a large employer, providing jobs as well as tourism opportunities for extra incentives for people to go to visit Florida. Now, you'll be interested to see why Disney continues down this path, um, being more of a political? Now, traditionally, they were much more inclusive of all ideologies. This is obviously one ideology. You're going to alienate some conservative folks, and maybe they're just trying to get new customers. If you look at the birth rates in the United States, especially, it's crashing. So there's less and less kids. And Disney, I know, for some for some odd reason, adults will travel there. I always find that oddly enough, but Traditionally, it is a child, kids' experience. We have less kids, so you need more customers. Start to cater to these customers, and then have night events. Maybe that's what, maybe that's what the CEO Bob is thinking. This is a good way to get those events, increase those customer base. Per, perhaps, but it's one of those companies that really starting to get in more and more politics. Famously, they were firmly against Ron DeSantis' bill, which is cliched and inappropriately named Don't Say Gay, which didn't even have the word gay in it. But if you actually read the bill, it said you're not allowed to talk to children about sexual themes under, I believe, third grade. But that was too much. Disney had to push back against that initiative. Those kindergartens need to know for reasons, apparently. Um, So as soon as Disney started to insert themselves into those political spheres, that's what sparked the conflict between Governor Ron DeSantis and the company, Disney. And it'll be interesting to see how this affects his, perhaps, presidential run. He hasn't announced it yet. But interesting cultural note for Disney to move into this direction or continue moving in this direction, perhaps to try to absorb more market share from that group of folks. Now, Mark Hamill, famously the actor for luke in star wars also more famously known for corvette summer i believe but he is what many call insufferable in terms of everything again he's an actor everything he says on the twitterverse is extremely you would call him a leftist he doesn't really people try to respond to him but he really doesn't absorb any other data or entertain other ideologies never has a philosophical debate he's basically just a copy paste for the leftists they just copy paste and he just without question will just post it now this is perhaps one of the most interesting notes now mark tweeted quote it was a pleasure meeting with the ukraine drone operators we talked about the challenges they face on a daily basis but they also wanted to talk about wookies and farm boys and droid oh my show your support here so it was during a live stream talking about how he praises those soldiers which for drone operator you're playing a video game i know there's much more consequences but the word brave is thrown around way too often these days that should probably be reserved for people who are actually on the front line or in more nevertheless so in that video where he's having conversations supporting the ukraine war fighters historically that country did support the bad guys during World War II, and they also still have those support guys to this day. Facebook actually allowed those groups to stay on Facebook because it was organizing against Russia. That was their rationale. Now, in the background of this live stream where Mark Hamill is praising them, they actually had the Nazi flag behind them. And it, it's, it didn't get caught right away since it wasn't the traditional one you see in all the movies with the swastika. It was the particular, I'd actually look this up, it was the Nazi black sun flag. So it was the complete, it, it was a different one than you see or normally, but it's still, if you're at all aware of history, if you've read a history book, I know unfortunately not enough people do, but it, it made a lot of folks angri- angry, especially a lot of Mark Hamill's followers who are Jewish on Twitter didn't appreciate that. And they all pushed back on him asking, you know, why are you supporting these people again? And this is coming after a week ago or a couple weeks ago where Mark was actually, he was going and giving out radio signals and warning so when there's like an air raid warning for the Ukraine, you had mark hamill talking on the radio encouraging the soldiers and i don't know if he's been there physically yet but it's bizarre to see every time you see hollywood and everyone or many folks piling on to a certain particular initiative issue or philosophy i always have to ask myself or you should always ask yourself why are so many people blindly supporting a particular viewpoint should there be any entertaining of the opposite viewpoint? Play the devil's advocate, perhaps? Just And then another thing I like to ask folks is just, why do you believe that? Tell me one or two, three points, whether you're talking about someone they're voting for or predict their ideology or law or proposed bill. Say so you want to get to know them, want to get to know, what are your thoughts, what's your thought track on that? And more often than not, unfortunately, you'll just hear some silly emotional response that has nothing to do with logic or reason again our society could use a tune-up needless to say more folks should be thinking now as i explained yesterday there's a thing on twitter called ratioed quote unquote in which more people in which you tweet something and more people actually like respond and tweet to the responses than the actual tweet so mark tweeted you know i don't care what they say i didn't know that I, i my support's just for the ukrainian soldiers and many folks his responses ratioed him completely so he was as as the youth would say pwned i believe is the term now going over to the political part of the podcast you had joe manchin criticizing the recent epa vehicle emission standard proposal from the white house he's a democrat from west virginia and he called the recent proposal proposed emission standards a quote-unquote trojan horse and i i tend to agree in terms of they're planting something that will have a ripple effect they're not coming out and saying this is what we want. And rudimentary speaking, in terms of that proposal, it's the highest increase in tailpipe emissions ever for the EPA. And they're not saying you have to make electric cars. They're saying you have to have a fleet average and the emissions from the tailpipe could only be X amount. Vis-a-vis, the only way you could hit that is by having electric part of your fleet of vehicles to get the fleet average up and get the emissions down so it's one of those ripple effects where it basically is it continuing a ban on the integral combustion engine also known as an ice engine also known as the most reliable engine that i can think of in terms of you buy a camry or a corolla they'll hit a million miles in the last 20 plus years it's one of the reasons why toyota is one of the most reliable brands bar none in automotive now joe manchin particularly mentioned quote to meet these timelines Will mean strengthening our reliance on minerals and technologies controlled by the chinese taken in concert with the clear violation of the ira to undermine provisions that would actually secure the supply chains this administration is taking steps that would only result in more energy secure and power in china which is another good point a lot of the resources necessary for ev vehicles or electric vehicles they're not in our own backyard one of the important minerals are lithium cobalt and China, strategically, after the United States completely inappropriately, or I should say inappropriate, oh yeah, they withdrew from Afghanistan without thinking more than 12 seconds of what's, lo- what's going to happen when we leave? Well, as soon as they left, China went in and they actually started working with the Taliban to secure contracts for those minerals and raw goods of the country. And so China's presence or global footprint for mineral resources is, is expanding. So you need cobalt, you need lithium, you need lithium. You're not going to find that in Iowa. You'll get corn, yes, but a lot of those raw materials are being processed, they're being mined, processed overseas. And China's really embracing the EV rollout. Their country is really ramping up those capabilities and they're decrease they they themselves are also increasing their emission standards, uh, apparently. So it'll be interesting to see but also he is one of the few folks who seems to push back on the white house in terms if you look at the democratic party a lot of people say he's more of an independent or republican he's also in west virginia so he's a A lot of people are saying he's a democratic in name only but it is astonishing to see him speaking up on this but in theory you should see 30 40 50 republicans also raising their hand maybe agreeing with him time shall tell maybe maybe i didn't dismiss that article but Again, that was an interesting political note. Now, other interesting political notes. Elon Musk relabeled the CBC as a government content on Twitter. Now, this is an ironic and somewhat hilarious way for him to do it. Now, Elon specifically called the Canadian Broadcasting Corp government-funded. Now, this entity, Slapbacker, their rebuttal was, Why? Why? We are, quote, less than 70% government-funded. And my eyes, if you're not watching, my eyes nearly broke in pain of rolling backwards. We're only 70%. So, or no, sorry, they said they're less than 70%. So Elon brilliantly updated their description on Twitter. So it And it is now described as, quote, 69% government funded media, unquote. Which Elon doesn't always, he's not perfect by any means. I don't agree with all of his actions, but just a political chess move. That was hilarious, brilliant, precise, and accurate. And it's nice to see more and more folks become educated on what's privately owned, what's privately, what kind of private media are you getting, or is it publicly funded or government funded? And it's, a little, it's not that big of a deal. It's just on their Twitter description, there's a little, maybe, I want to say about maybe, you know, a couple words right under their bio to actually let people know this perhaps has some bias because they're getting paid by the government. That's are they're probably not going to say anything bad about the government. Would make sense or would seems logical, right? Interesting. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, which sounds like a part two in this case. Now, Southwest Airlines had another IT glitch. Yesterday, more flying departures were halted. Specifically, more than 1,762 flights were delayed. And to equate that into a percentage, that's about 42% of Southwest Airlines schedule, according to flight-aware data. Now, Southwest claims that the flow of its flight data had been disrupted by a failure in a, quote, vendor-supplied firewall, unquote, which is certainly a possibility. Once you get that big or you're that large of a company, you have a lot of those vendors on site supporting you with IT services, IT hardware, and they're also, they themselves are working with different vendors You got to support the airline it's a huge it as well as business area to work in and it's a there's a huge environment and ecosystem of all those folks coming together so given my background in it this certainly sounds like a valid it's it it's a valid sound excuse or valid reason given how complex things are over there and you do have a lot of vendors and sometimes wires get crossed and unfortunately sometimes you have some negative outcomes now I say a part two because this is coming after Southwest canceled more than 16,700 flights in the last day in the last 11 days of 2022 during a operational meltdown and there's a lot of folks speculating who's at blame is it the vendor in this case it seems like it was the vendor since there's there in this in these many instances the vendor actually owns that piece of hardware it's just on their data center is on their site so you have a party over here there they own the hardware they manage the hardware, and they make changes on the customer's behalf, but actually hardware is on site in a Southwest data center, perhaps, or one of the offices, what have you. And would that break down communication, perhaps? It seems like, more likely than not, Occam's Razor. Usually the simplest reason is the most accurate one. It probably was just a disconnect, and hopefully the communication increases, and they don't have these issues again, since, of course, one of start seeing things when you travel is flight delays. Which is yeah another reason I try to drive as often as I can in terms of I would much rather drive 12 and a half hours than fly halfway across the states. It's also fun to drive the stick shift and something every American should experience in their lifetime at least once. But you also in not control of the situation. I always argue you don't need to get there one hour or two hours early. Got to check in, strip down, lose, pretty much give up all of your semblance of dignity or privacy. In my experience, they could improve the customer experience or maybe maybe they can't based on laws. That's another an interesting area since every airline also has their own laws and regulations as well as their policies in addition to the TSA, which is a fascinating topic in and of itself. But nevertheless, to have 1,762 flights delayed, that's that's certainly the business blunder of the day, bar none. Now, thank you so much for tuning in today. Cannot thank everyone enough for your support. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe if you'd like to see more content like this. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell your enemies. Heck, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.